This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. All right, let's do this. I am the biggest procrastinator today. So what I did was I grabbed my microphone and I'm laying on the couch. Let me get settled here. Hopefully the audio is okay. Um... The Property Brothers are on in the background. I did not sleep well last night because our power went out and I didn't realize how much I am dependent upon my sound machine to sleep. So first I was terrified that I wasn't going to be able to stream Real Housewives before bed because that is literally like my bedtime routine and I need that to put me into a sleepy state. Not that the show is boring, it's actually very good, but I have just been doing that for so long. Literally since Milo was born, I have been watching reality TV before bed, and then I turn it off, close my eyes, and I instantly fall asleep. So I was able to stream it, like hallelujah, but then I didn't have my sound machine because the power was out. So. I, um, at midnight, finally decided to download a white noise app on my phone and put that beside my head to sleep. And it did work eventually. But then I was sleeping with my dogs who get up in the middle of the night to go pee and drink water. And their little nails on the hardwood floor, like tickety, 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 wakes me up every single time. Even when I have the white noise literally against my ear. So I had a rough night and I'm just feeling tired. I have initially in the morning, I had all these hopes and dreams to go to HomeSense, to get some things for the house because I'm trying to make it look nice. I want to pick out some paint colors and start like, you know, sanding down the patches in the walls and actually painting, get curtain rods, hang up curtains. I have all these dreams, but I'm tired, so now I'm still in pajamas, haven't even brushed my teeth. It is 11.30 a.m., but I'm like, I need to get this episode recorded, so here I am. Hopefully, I will do a Peloton this afternoon. We shall see. Um, Cody from Peloton, who I always share on my stories, he is on Dancing with the Stars. I found that out today, and I am freaking out. I am so excited. I'm going to watch every single episode, and I can't wait. But anyways, so last week I put out a thing on stories asking if you guys had any questions for me, just like in general, could literally be anything um, because today's episode is going to be a Q&A. So I went through all the questions. I wrote down my favorite questions. You guys had really good questions. And so I thought I would go through these ones uh, that I wrote down quickly, and that will be today's episode. So first off, somebody had mentioned... Um, I talked about or I shared on my stories about how one of my best friends is a clinical psychologist and she was opening up her uh, private practice online for residents that live in Ontario. 
Um, And so she does a lot of like trauma processing and, you know, something that falls into that category is birth trauma. So someone had mentioned that they wanted me to do a podcast episode with Hillary. Her name is Hillary Maxwell um, about trauma processing and specifically with regard to birth. So we are going to do that. It will probably be recorded at the end of October. So you can expect that episode in November. I think it's going to be amazing and it will be about trauma in general and processing trauma and what happens when you don't process trauma, different kinds of trauma. Like we'll go everywhere and so I think it will be a very valuable episode. So I just wanted to shoot that out there in case anyone was hoping for an episode on trauma or birth trauma. So that is coming up. Um, Somebody asked when I started my undergrad, did I know that I wanted to do a PhD? And to that I say yes. I knew that I wanted to do a PhD when I was in high school because we had this career day thing at school and all these people from different professions came and talked to high school, like the high school students. Um, And one of the guys there was a clinical psychologist and I was like, oh wow, super cool, love it. I was a huge fan of Dr. Phil. I was a high school student, okay? So like Dr. Phil was my role model. I was like, I wanna be Dr. Phil. So I was like, okay, to do that, you need a PhD in psychology. That's what I'm going to do. So I, where did I talk about this? I, oh, on the Safe Haven podcast, we talked a lot about how I initially started university on um, a full scholarship in the NCAA playing volleyball. So that kind of threw me off for a little bit because then I was very athletics focused and not so much school focused. And I mean, if you want to go on to do a PhD, you really need to be into school. So that almost threw me off, but I ended up uh, really not enjoying that experience. And I came home and once I came home and didn't play volleyball anymore, I just totally focused on school and that was always my goal. Like I need to do everything, you know, like volunteer work, get good grades, um, anything that I can do to be involved in research because, you know, doing a master's and a PhD is very research heavy. I just did everything from the beginning that would help me get into grad school. So yes, I always knew that. And I think it would be hard to get into grad school if that was never your plan in the first place because, you know, doing lots of extracurricular like research activities and volunteering and all that stuff really helps your application to grad school. So I think it's best if you know that from the beginning that you want to do grad school. Um, Anywho, Somebody wanted a Peloton update and I still am obsessed with the Peloton. I just got my 25th ride done yesterday. It is so motivating. It's so enjoyable. Um, It's kind of like a little escape. Like I get to go in the basement and just focus on the the coach. It's always Cody. Um, And get a workout in in a decent amount of time like you can choose a 20 minute class 30 minute class a boot camp what I do need to do is start doing more 
muscle related work on my own because usually I just do a cycling class so just the biking but I need to build muscle in the rest of my body as well so I'm going to try and add in like even if it's just like a five or ten minute you know like doing some arm exercises or like ab work I used to do a lot of pelvic floor stuff like even if it's just breathing into my pelvic floor which makes such a huge difference in like low back pain and um, my hips probably. I'm having hip issues and it's probably all related to like pelvic floor and not doing full body kind of, um, what's it called? Like weight training or even if it's just body weight, like push-ups, sit-ups, things like that. So um, loving the Peloton, absolutely loving it. I'm trying to get everyone I know to buy one, especially my mom, because when I go visit her for long periods of time at their property up north, I want her to have a Peloton so I can just bring my shoes and do my classes. So because when I don't do it for a few days, I miss it. So I didn't do it for... 10 days because I had my dentist appointments and my mouth was frozen and I had like a headache and a sore jaw and then um, Milo was home from daycare for two days my husband was on call and it was like the busiest call weekend he's ever had so I missed a bunch of days in a row and I was so sad but now I am getting back on it and I love it I just love it This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. 
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there, and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. Somebody else somebody else asked the question, what is going on with my sister's fertility? So my sister has an Instagram account where she updates um, her and her fiance's fertility journey. So they have been struggling for a long time. She, um, in Ontario, you have one round of IVF covered by OHIP, which is like our health insurance. So she is still on, she was really lucky. And I think her first retrieval, which is the only one that she's done, um, she ended up having, I think, seven or eight healthy embryos. So I didn't realize this, but a full round of IVF being covered by OHIP or the health insurance means like the retrieval and the transfer of all the embryos that you got from that retrieval. So that is considered like a round of IVF. I was thinking that it covered the retrieval and then just one transfer. So I was mistaken, but no. 
So she has done three transfers so far. And I think she has three embryos left. So maybe she had six um, from her retrieval. So the first transfer resulted, I believe that one was the egg topic pregnancy, which was terrifying. It happened in COVID. It was terrible. She had to go through the whole thing by herself while her fiance sat in the parking lot in the car garage. So that was awful. And then she did a second one. And I think that was a chemical pregnancy. And then the third one, I could have swore there was something else, but I'm having a hard time remembering. But anyways, she decided to take a month off after the last one didn't end up working out. And um, she just recently went and had a polyp removed from her uterus. And now she is planning on doing a fourth transfer very soon. So if you want to follow her Instagram account, it is Liza.and.mikey. I'll share it. I, I usually share when she posts on my stories. Um, so that is where they are at. And it's wild to me that you get one round of IVF covered and most places don't cover any. So you know, people in Ontario are very fortunate in that sense. But some people can do a retrieval and not get any healthy embryos or they can only get like two or one. So it's really like a huge range of how many embryos you get from one retrieval. So she is very lucky in that sense, but very unlucky in the sense that, you know, I think three transfers have not worked yet. And what's really frustrating about fertility is that a lot of the times they don't know. Like for my sister and her fiance, all the tests come back totally normal, which is like, it's not that you hope that something is wrong, but when nothing shows up on tests, then there's nothing to like pinpoint to fix or to treat or to change to hopefully have a successful transfer. So that's the frustrating part. It's like, are they just not catching something that is going to prevent her from being able to be pregnant, but she's going through all these embryos and, you know, is almost done her round of IVF that is covered. So that's where it gets really tricky. It's like, at what point do you look for other options or like, do you just keep going and hoping that one will work out? So yeah, it's super frustrating and I feel for everyone who is going through a similar situation. Um, I am hoping to have, I don't know if you guys know uh, Philippa on um, Instagram. I am having her on the podcast um, at the end of September, I think we're going to record. And she has been through, you know, fertility issues for a long time. She's very open about it on her Instagram account. And so I'm really looking forward to that episode. I'm sure she is going to share a bunch of information with us that when it's something that you haven't gone through, I think we don't understand as much like how it works and, you know, what's covered by the government, what's not covered and what it actually costs and so on and so on. So look, look forward to that episode. Sorry, I just hit the microphone. Also, I don't know if it's Philippa or Philippa. Um, You know when you just look at a name or a word for a long time and you've never actually had to say it out loud? 
That's weird because then you go to say it and you're like, oh my God, I've never actually thought about how to pronounce it. I just read it all the time. So I will ask her when I talk to her. Okay, next question. Somebody asked if Milo gets timeouts. I love this question because I'm sure lots of people are wondering the same thing or we're confused about timeouts and, you know, how to, oh my God, I need to water my plants. Oh my God. I forgot. And now it's obvious that I forgot. Anyways, sorry about that. Um, Does Milo get timeouts? Okay. He does not for the most part. So sometimes I find it very difficult and I don't know what to do. So the only thing that we have found that works is bringing him to his room for a couple minutes and then we go back in and he's able to calm down and then we talk to him about whatever the issue is. The only time we have brought him to his room, which I guess can be considered a timeout, is when he's hitting or throwing toys because it's not safe and even though we try everything like validating his emotions and we stay super, super calm, we, you know, move out of the way, we tell him, I will not let you hit me. Sometimes those things just do not work and you are left confused and you don't know what to do. So our instinct and what we have found that works is just to bring him to his room so that he is not in the environment anymore where he was hitting and throwing toys. Um, And usually he cries for a little bit and we let him have his little moment, which I hate because then I hear things about how like they're super emotional and you're just like abandoning them. So that kind of breaks my heart, but I don't, I genuinely don't know what else to do when he's hitting And no matter what we do, he just keeps hitting. It's like trying to talk to him or distract him or, you know, all the things that people say to do makes it worse and he escalates and escalates. So if anyone has any tips on what to do in those situations, by all means, let me know. But So I would say that is, and it doesn't happen often, like I can, there's probably like a handful of times that we've ever had to bring him to his room, but I'm like, that's what we do. And it has worked in the moment. And I find we're able to talk to him afterwards. And he is at an age now where he kind of understands what's going on. So I think if he was not as um, like verbal or understanding what we were saying, I'd probably be less likely to give him a timeout or put him in his room. Um, but the fact that we can talk to him and I know he understands makes it a little bit easier. So yeah, um, there's that. And I will say what I'm also trying to do is focus on talking to him about things that we might have issues with. So for example, not getting in his car seat or hitting or throwing toys. Those are the big ones for us and they don't happen all the time, but when they do happen, it's really a struggle. So I try to talk to him about these things at a time where he's happy, we're in a good mood, like we're doing other stuff. Because I think we tend to 
just react to things in the moment and we're less likely to sit down and talk to them about behaviors or problems when they're actually behaving. Like for some reason, it's like we don't give them enough credit or we underestimate how much talking to them will help. So I try to be mindful of that. And every once in a while, we try and talk to him about like, you know, it's not nice to hit and hitting hurts people and yada, yada, yada. Or even in the car seat, like your car seat is for safety and see mommy wears her seatbelt. And if we have to drive somewhere, we need to all have our seatbelts on and blah, blah, blah. So it also helps when Blippi says things because, for example, with knives in the kitchen, there's this one episode of Blippi where he goes to Tanaka Farms. It's such a good episode. And he, the guy has a knife and he's cutting like the sugar cane and the watermelons. And Blippi's like, you, you know, make sure like you're really safe when you use a knife. Knives are only for grown-ups. And so now when I say like knives are just for grown-ups, like here's Milo's knife, he repeats it. He's like, yeah, Blippi said my knife for grown-ups. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like Blippi said that. So that's, uh, if you can find episodes of Blippi or whatever your child likes where they talk about, you know, hitting or car seats, whatever it might be, that's also um, helpful, I've found. Okay, quickly, one last question because I don't like these episodes to be too long. Somebody asked if we sleep trained Milo. Now, I have two podcast episodes where I talk to sleep professionals on either side of the spectrum. So one is Baby's Best Sleep, Amanda Jusen. She's amazing. I love talking to her. She does the sleep training method. She is wildly successful. I know so many people who use her methods and love it. So my episode with her is episode 16. So that is from August 2020. Um, I also have a shorter episode with her somewhere about transitioning your child from crib to a toddler bed or like a big kid bed. That one is also super helpful. I think it's also on YouTube actually. Um, so there's that episode where I probably talk a lot about our experience, um, with Milo and sleep. And then episode 37 is with, um, Angela Bueno. She is also a sleep expert for kids, but she takes a completely different approach. It's all about just connection and how you feel in your home with like what you're comfortable doing and is sleep even an issue for you? So, you know, I think there's lots of pressure on people to sleep train and, you know, people are always like, is your baby sleeping through the night yet? Like that's the number one question. And it's like, sometimes it's just not that big of a deal. And for us, I will say quickly, did I mention? Okay, so her episode is episode 37. So that is from November, 2020. So definitely go listen to both of those. I talk a lot about our experiences with Milo in both those episodes. You can hear two totally different perspectives on sleep, and then you can decide what works best for you and your family. So quickly, I will just say for us, we did not let Milo cry without going to get him and like feeding him or whatever. 
until he was 11 months old. And then at that point, we decided, yes, we need to do something so that he's sleeping better throughout the night because we were getting up with him two to four times in the night up until he was 11 months old. Now, for us, it worked for us. And for many of those nights, majority, I would say, my husband slept with the monitor and I slept in the basement in one of the guest bedrooms by myself. Now, people might be like, wow, that is insane. Um, I used to be uncomfortable talking about it because I feel like people are like, okay, you're the mom, like, you know, you're going to let your husband who works full time get up with the baby. And to that I say yes, because in our situation, my husband is a professional sleeper. He's a physician. He's used to being on call. He can be called at three in the morning, answer the phone call, tell someone what to do at the hospital and instantly fall back asleep. It is a gift that he has. He can sleep on a plane. He can sleep in the middle of the freaking living room while Milo and I are playing. That's just how he is. So for us, it worked. My husband could get up for a couple minutes, give Milo a little bit of a bottle, put him back down, fall asleep. Whereas for me, I was anxious. Like, I think I've talked about this before where when Milo would get up and I would hear him like crying through the monitor, it is like anxiety spike throughout my body. And then even if it just took me a few minutes to go feed him and put him back to sleep, my body was like high adrenaline and now I couldn't sleep. And knowing that he was going to get up just a few hours later added to that anxiety. So for us, it just worked. And then I was like fully rested and able to like be a kick-ass mom the next day. So we don't have any regrets and that is just what worked for us. Um, then when he was 11 months old and we were like, okay, we need to do something. He's got to like learn to just sleep through the night. Um, we let him cry literally a few nights. It was absolute torture for me. And I remember being in the shower and my husband had the monitor and we were just like waiting. He didn't cry for very long. And honestly, after a couple nights, he was sleeping through the night. So... I am not going to tell you that letting a baby cry or doing the sleep training, whichever way you want to do, doesn't work because for the most part it does. Um, But I was just not comfortable doing it or ready to do it until he was 11 months old. So I'm also biased because I'm trained in attachment. I will also put that out there. So anywho, um, I'm already at 25 minutes. I should really have lunch and go do my Peloton. Um, Thank you guys so much for putting all those questions in. I think I'm going to do more of these episodes because you guys have really great questions and I, it just gives me time to think about all these things again and sit here and talk to myself. So thank you very much for listening. Um, If you haven't already, please go rate, review, and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you are listening. It helps me stay up in the charts. If you don't already, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Renee Rena with the little underscore thingamabob. Um, the podcast also has a beautiful Instagram account at the Mom Room Podcast. And um, if you haven't checked out the Mom Room Shop, it's themomroomshop.com. I have some sweet t-shirts up there. Um, you know I'm a huge fan of t-shirts, so I was like, hey, I'm going to start making my own. So 
Um, check that out. I will have some new designs coming out soon. I hope you guys have a fabulous day and a wonderful weekend and that everyone is adjusting to back to school life. And of course, I hope that you sleep tonight and your power doesn't go out. <laughs>